Blog Talk Radio. to the sun, Eastern Airlines music. Good evening, folks, and Eastern family and friends around the world. The radio voice of Eastern Airlines is on the air, and we're talking about our favorite way to fly, Eastern Airlines. Welcome aboard Flight 471. We're on twice weekly now, and Thursday afternoon. I'm going to turn the volume down just a little bit so I can hear myself talk. Okay. Um... Thursday afternoon is the Reaper Radio Hour at 3 o'clock Eastern Time and the Eastern Airlines Radio Show every Monday at 7 p.m. as you are listening tonight. Both broadcasts are the call-in shows, live call-in shows. We welcome your comments on the air during the show. Our hosts are from around the U.S. and our listeners from around the world. That's right, over 50 countries around the world have been identified who are regularly listening. We're glad you're listening tonight with us. My name is Neil Holland, retired Eastern captain and producer of the show. I hope you enjoyed tonight's broadcast, and I might add here to stick around as we have some breaking news with Mark Porter about the new Eastern Airlines here on the radio show, we simply refer to it as 3.0. You'll surely want to hear this immediately following tonight's program. And now Chuck Albright, our announcer, will get the show in the air. Chuck, it's all yours. Open your mic. We're glad you're with us. Be better. There you go. Chuck, it's all yours. For Take it away. And news and information. My name is Chuck Albright. I'm coming to you live from the villages, Florida. Our producer, Captain Neil, is in St. Augustine, and our hosts are scattered all over the country. Colleen DeFleece is from Wesley Chapel, Florida, just north of Tampa. Captain Mike Scott in New York area, out on Long Island, as is Captain George Jen. Dorothy and Don Gagling are in the villages just north of where I live in Florida. Jim and Carrie Holder are in the Atlanta area, and Mark Parter is our new Eastern 3.0 reporter, is in Miami area. And our newest host, Harry Lundquist, is in Brunswick, Maine, just west of Baltimore. Hello, one and all. 
our producers, uh, if you see other regulars, please let me know. From all our hosts, welcome, and thank you for listening and calling the show for over the past nine years. You truly made us the radio voice of Eastern Airlines. We love to hear your comments and share your memories with the radio listeners from around the world during the broadcast. If you haven't called a show before, all you need to do is call 213-816-1611 and just say hello and talk to us on the air live every Monday evening at 7 p.m. Eastern Daylight Time. Many of our listeners choose to listen by computer using the radio icon on our homepage at www.ealradioshow.com or perhaps by signing in on the site of our provider, Blog Talk Radio, at www.blogtalkradio.com forward slash Captain Evie. Now remember to abbreviate the word Captain to C-A-P-T. Should you wish to talk during our live broadcast, feel free to use the call-in number. 213-816-1611 at 7 p.m. Eastern Time. Let me repeat that number so you can write it down. 213-816-1611. By the way, tell your friends about us for our Monday night visits. Our membership is growing. We are now well over 1,052 Eastern family and friends. Don't forget, you can listen to any of our 471 Monday night broadcasts and 100-plus Thursday broadcasts by simply going to blogtalkradio.com forward slash Captain Eddie. That's C-A-P-T-E-D-D-I-E, and scrolling through the archives of the broadcast. Each episode is briefly described. We're nearing our 600 episodes, wow, and all because of the listeners like you wanting to talk about Eastern Airlines. Our lines are always open for calls, and if you choose not to participate and talk live with our hosts, we ask you please mute your phone, as our producer does not have the capability of filtering out background noises such as barking dogs and slamming doors and ice cubes and beverages and ringing phones. That is why they put mute features on phones. And now I see we're number one for takeoff. So, Captain, let's get flight 471 in the air. Eastern 471, Chicago Tower, you're cleared for takeoff. Roger, Chicago, you're on the roll. Wind 10024, runway 13 right, cliff takeoff. Eastern, fly Eastern Airlines from the ground up. Traveling on Eastern Airlines, 
his ears from the ground. He's been services speedier by Eastern Airlines. Eastern Airlines. Hello, Jim Holder. Okay. An old okay. Eastern captain. Not me. An old Eastern captain retired on his 60th birthday, and the first thing he did to his answer machine was to change the message, probably with proof schedule in mind. The new message went like this. I am not available right now, but thank you for calling enough to call. I am making some changes in my life. Please leave a message after the beep. If I do not return your call, you are one of the changes. Hmm. <laughs> now, there's a guy who has retirement priorities in place. Now, here's the rest of the story about airline retirement. Typically, mandatory retirement is justified by the argument that certain occupations are either too dangerous, like military personnel, or require high levels of physical and mental skills, like air traffic controllers and airline pilots. Mostly rely on the notion that a worker's productivity declines significantly after age 70, and the mandatory retirement is the employer's way to avoid reduced productivity. However, since the age at which a retirement is mandated is often somewhat arbitrary and not based on actual physical evaluation of an individual person, many view the practice as a form of age discrimination or Ageism. <clears throat> Colleen. Captain Jim, pilots around the world, as you know, have expensive careers that require many years of education and training before they can enter commercial service. Even after many get started, they may not be making salaries that help pay back the money they spent on accruing required flight hours until they get a coveted job with a large commercial airline. So it's a little surprise that once pilots have that job, they're eager to stay and earn the pay increases that come with seniority. But that time is limited. The International Civil Aviation Authority, ICAO, sets the maximum retirement age at 65, which the FAA has adopted. However, some local civil aviation authorities have extended that age to address the shortage of pilots in their markets. Japan's Civil Aviation Authority raised the mandatory retirement age to 67 in 2015, and the Civil Aviation Administration of China, which currently sets the maximum retirement at age 60, is considering extending that age also. Mike? Colleen, yes. Mm -hmm. Individual airlines may have different uh, retirement ages within specific limits to ensure that they have enough pilots to support their operations. But all have strict health and skill testing requirements to ensure individual pilots, regardless of their age, uh, that, are quali- uh, that are qualified to fly. Some pilots associations around the world are pushing for airlines to keep more of their senior pilots on board. This is in part because of the age to qualify for the state retirement income is uh, higher than the mandatory pilot retirement age. uh, But some associations also make a case that keeping more experienced senior pilots on board who have learned to fly without the help of advanced digital systems is better for aviation safety. The contributions 
of the more senior pilots may be in the training, if not directly in the cockpit. George? Yeah, Mike, uh, one airline pilot puts it this way. I feel like a mandatory retirement age is a good idea because motor skills and overall physical vitality diminish with age. That was uh, said the commercial airline captain, Chris Mano. And then he goes on. Presently in the U.S., the mandatory retirement age is 65 years old. And due to the predicted pilot shortage, I guess that was before COVID, there's talk of raising that to 67, although I have yet to hear anything official on that. Mano has a long piloting career, which began by flying as a 727 flight engineer, and he moved up to flying the DC-9, as, excuse me, the DC-10 as a flight engineer in only a few months. He next became first officer flying an MD-80 after his first year, and then first officer on a DC-10 in his fifth year of piloting. By the sixth year of his career, he had made it to flying captain on the MD-80, and also flew the F-100 as a captain for two years before returning to the MD-80 for 12 years. He has uh, been working now as a 737 captain since 2010. He goes on to say, I could move on to the 777 or the 787 captain position now, but I choose the narrow body lifestyle. That is the 737 turnarounds where you're home every night with minimum work days, he said. Every 777 and 787 trip has at least one red eye leg. The South American flying has two and at least three days away from home per trip. That's physically exhausting. One pilot friend told me that after any long-haul trip, quote, you don't want to use power tools. That would make my present routine of running, of running, weightlifting, and biking impossible, and that physical regimen is key to my well-being, unquote. Carrie? Mm. <laughs> George? The physical drain and mental strain that Mana refers to are why the retirement age rules exist and also why there are strict rules for pilot rest hours between flights. But there are also good aspects to the pilot's career, which is why many want to keep flying as long as they are allowed. Mana says, quote, the main advantages are probably the high income and schedule flexibility associated with longevity at a particular airline. But those who get hired late, say in their 40s or 50s, will not enjoy either advantage. Mono continues, I've been with my airline for 32.5 years and have an ideal flying schedule. 13 days a month, home every night. That's hard to give up. But I've been a captain for over 26 years. Many pilots in their late 50s and early 60s who make captain will have to endure the junior schedules that I did at first as well like red eyes, on-call, four-day trips, and 16 or more days a month. So if you're a very senior, it's hard to give up the airline career. If not, extending the career might not make sense. Harry? Carrie, I'm, I'm sure you're aware of what pilots do after they retire. You're married to one. See <laughs> if Jim fits in the description. Oh, man. After retiring... Many pilots pursue second careers as flight trainers or find other jobs in aviation. The pilot we have been quoting has no such plans. Absolutely not, Mano says. When I retire, I want no more check rides. 
you guys always liked them midnight check rides, didn't you? <laughs> Procedures, oh, yeah. evaluation, <laughs> FAA oh, security, scrutiny, flight physicals, none of that. I plan to walk away to be done flying and call it good. There's so many other interesting things to do. Mano is a unique case because he hasn't limited his current career to piloting. He also holds a Ph.D. in English, is a novelist and cartoonist, and teaches as an adjunct professor at Texas Wesleyan University, a post he's held since 2002. At around the 15-year mark in my airline career, I decided there just had to be more to life than climb, cruise, descend, and landing. (laughs) At that point, he started on a doctorate in rhetoric and literature at Texas Christian University which he completed seven years later. Mano says that academia is a wholly different world from the skies, which balances the strictly by rules and regulations of life. Academia and the English Lit Studies have given me entry to this very fulfilling world that is both rich and a perfect complement to the strict and arcane sphere of an airline pilot. Dorothy? Uh, this is Don sitting in for Dorothy. Well, we thought we'd keep you a little older, more senior, mature folks awake by adding this later side of the uh, of retirement. And no matter what, uh, remixes of famous songs that apply during retirement years. Wait till you hear these. <laughs> Number one, so your varicose veins, uh, you're so varicose veins by Charlie Simons. How can you mend a broken hip by the Bee Gees? I can see see clearly now by Johnny Cash. (laughs) These boots gave me arthritis by Nancy Sinatra. Once, twice, three trips to the bathroom by the Commodores. I'll be doing that. I could do the parking of there with that, man. Yeah, I got it tomorrow. My tea in a barrel. I get by with a little help from my depends by the business. <laughs> Talking about medication by the who. <laughs> Boil things by the togs. You can always pee when you want <laughs> by the rolling stones. They and if you got stones, it, it's hard to pee. <laughs> I heard it through the grape nuts by Marvin Gaye. <laughs> Uh, Neil, oh, how do you these things? <laughs> okay, now it's my turn again. One thing, Don, right, before you go, uh, it, okay. it all applies. It all applies to most listeners of this radio show, Kitchen Table Radio. Uh, yeah, I, I think on the, on the on the male side. I don't know about the women's side, but at any rate, <laughs> we'll leave yeah, it at that. <laughs> okay. Now let's go back and see what the FAA says about uh, the Federal Aviation Regulations Part 121-383C. No certificate holder may use the services of any person as a pilot on an airplane engaged in operations under this part if the person has reached his 60th birthday. No person 
may serve as a pilot on an airplane engaged in operations under the, this part if the person has reached his 60th birthday. With the organizational structure in place, Elwood Pete Cusada, the first administrator of the new Federal Aviation Administration, FAA, mounted a vigorous campaign to improve aviation safety. The fledgling agency faced enormous task in upgrading, updating de decades of old safety standards that converted flight operations, maintenance procedures, and physical and proficiency requirements for pilots. Quisada responded with, with those two proposals being considered back in the late 50s that would establish a maximum age of 55 for pilots to receive a type rating in turbojet aircraft and a mandatory retirement age of 60 for all airline pilots. Casada convened a panel convened a panel of experts to review the proposals. Jim. Okay, thank you. Thank you. In one of his more controversial moves, Quesada instituted the FAA's, quote, age 60 rule, end quote, which barred individuals who had reached their 60th birthday from serving as pilots on aircraft engaged in certified route air carrier operations. I'm reading this up very quickly. Oh, on large aircraft engaged in supplemental air carrier operations. The FAA. Alder Wilson declared that a progressive deterioration of certain physiological functions normally associated with age and that sudden incapacity due to certain medical defects such as heart attack and stroke became significantly more frequent in any age group reaching age 60. 60. Implemented in part at the urging of the American Airlines president, the rule infuriated pilots made them mad and resulted in a storm of complaints from the Airline Pilots Association, that's Alpha, as longtime commercial pilot Captain John Deacon probably spoke for the majority of pilots when he told a reporter, I hope this moron, that's Quesada he's talking about, has a special hot place reserved from him, he's talking about down under, you know, because of his unfair, arbitrary, illogical rule that has now clipped the wings of thousands of fine, young 60-year-olds. Mike, Amen. take over before I get mad. <laughs> okay, Captain Jim, throw a bucket of water on him. When Quesada <laughs> insisted the FAA inspectors fly in the jump seat of the jetliners to observe the pilot, Alpa reacted quickly. During the summer of 1960, a mysterious wave of illness spread throughout the pilot community. This oh. sickness forced Eastern Airlines to cancel 90% of its flights during a one-week period. Pilots from other airlines also contracted this, this illness. In fact, Ooh. when 102 uh, Pan Am pilots called in sick and the reserve crews called in to replace them also refused to fly, claiming that they had recently had a drink and by FAA rules could not legally fly for f 24 hours. Alpa hoped this actions would result in a public demand for Quesada's removal as the administrator. And Mike, uh, uh, Mike, uh, my, a mask would not help. <laughs> <laughs> That's right. A mask. <laughs> yeah, well, that must have had oxygen get, hooked onto it. Yeah, yeah, yeah it George. Get, yeah, it didn't work to get Casada out either. 
Anyway, no. one, one pilot one pilot summed it up like this. He said, quote, if John Glenn can go into space at age 77, why can't we fly to Cleveland at age 60, unquote? <laughs> that was uh, Bert Yetman who said that. He's 65 years old, and he was the president of the Professional Pilots Federation, which had taken over the lead from ALPA in opposing the rule. The answer, according to former FAA officials, Airline executives and sympathetic younger pilots is not concerned about flight safety, but politics. The Airline Pilots Association, which represents most of the country's 80,000 commercial airline pilots, once led the fight against age, the age 60 rule. But now the union is its biggest champion. I guess the means the age 65 rule. Union mm-hmm. officials say their members believe the rule enhances safety. But others say the union is more concerned that allowing older pilots to fly longer would make it more difficult for its younger members to move up to seniority ranks and into the captain's seat. And I suspect the second group there is probably more correct than the first. Yeah. Anyway, uh, this guy, Don Engden, goes on. He quote, quote him, it's not a medical issue, said Don. The FAA, head in the night, who was the head of the FAA in the mid-1980s, he also went on to say the younger guys want the older guys out because they want to be captain, because captains draw the bigger pay. Well, I we all know that that's too. true. I, I felt that too, George. Funny <laughs> <laughs> how that works. Yeah, really. <laughs> Carrie, you're up. Okay. Now we're up to the present retirement age. The administrator acknowledged that forcing U.S. commercial airline pilots to retire at 60 is becoming increasingly more difficult to defend. There's a heck of a lot of experience behind those captain stripes, and we shouldn't have to lose it as early as we do, the administrator said. The FAA issued a formal notice of proposed rulemaking, or NPRM, and will publish a final rule after careful consideration of all public comments as required by law. Foreign airlines have demonstrated that experienced pilots in good health can fly beyond age 60 without compromising safety, the administrator said during her presentation. The Flight Safety Foundation agreed assertion that flying above 60 does not present any safety concerns provided all pilots continue to have their health monitored. This debate has gone on for 20 years. It is time to focus on more critical safety issues. The airport, the Air Transport Association said it continues to remain neutral on the issue and that it will work closely with FAA to ensure a smooth transition should they ultimately decide to change the age limit. Pauline? And then the Federal Aviation Administration, the FAA Administrator, Marion Blakely, announced that the FAA will propose raising the mandatory retirement age for U.S. commercial pilots from 60 to 65. Speaking before pilots and aviation experts at the National Press Club on January 30th, I'm not sure what year that is, Blakely said that the agency plans to propose adopting the new International Civil Aviation Organization, the ICAO, standard that allows one pilot to be up to age 65, provided the other pilot is under the age of 60. No pilot will be grandfathered, 
and the new age 65 rule will not apply to any pilot who turns 60 before it officially is enacted. The FAA says these retirement age changes will take effect in two years. The delay in releasing the NPRM will allow FAA and its age 60 aviation rulemaking committee to hear from carriers and other stakeholders on that issue and others. Harry? Thanks, Colleen. Let's take a look at how one captain handled an accident we all remember, may remember, and then you decide if you were on that flight, would you want a very junior captain at the controls? The aircraft began its takeoff from Los Angeles International Airport at approximately 9.25 a.m., During the takeoff roll, the recapping tread of the number two tire on the left main landing gear separated from the tire, and the resulting overload caused that tire to blow out. That, in turn, imposed an overload on the number one tire on the same axle, resulting in a second blowout almost immediately after the first blowout. Pieces of metal from the rims of the failed tires then damaged the number five tire on the left main gear, causing it to also blow out. Don? The wheel abort procedure at four knots, or about 4.6 miles per hour, below V1 speed, it became apparent the aircraft could not stop within the confines of the runway. This was the direct result the partial loss of the braking power followed by failure of the three tires on the left main gear and because the runway was wet, the captain steered the aircraft to go off to the end of the right half of the runway in an effort to uh, go beside the stanchions holding the runway lights and thus avoid a collision with the approach lights stanchions which were positioned immediately beyond the end of the runway. About 100 feet beyond the end of the runway, the left main gear broke through the non-load-bearing pavement. Hmm. That caused it to collapse rearward. Portions of the failed gear punctured the fuel tanks in the left wing uh, and immediately started a fuel fire on the left side. The aircraft slid to a stop approximately 664 feet beyond the departure of the, of the end of the runway. Because of the fire on the left side of the aircraft, all passengers evacuated on the right side. All four emergency evacuation slides on the right side of the aircraft were affected by the heat and failed at some point during the evacuation. Flight 603's flight crew and an off-duty pilot worked quickly to guide passengers to alternate exits as the slides failed. Actions later commanded by the National Transportation Safety Board, the NTSB, for saving lives and reducing the number of injuries. Passengers who were still on board after the last slide failed were forced to either jump to the ground or 
use a slide rope deployed from the first officer's cockpit window. Of the 186 passengers and 14 crew on board, two passengers died during the burning and smoke inhalation. Moreover, 28 passengers and three crew members were seriously injured during the evacuation. Two of the seriously injured passengers died as a result of their injuries about three months later. A large portion of the aircraft's left section was destroyed. The aircraft subsequently was written off as a hull loss. The accident uh, represents the second fatal accident and the fifth hull loss of a McDonnell Douglas DC-10. Jim? Yeah, thank you. The aircraft was involved was in the accident was a McDonnell Douglas DC-10-10. That's one of the early models. It was registered as November 68045 and had made its first flight in 1972. The captain was 59-year-old Charles E. Percy, who was on his last, last flight before retirement. He had been with Continental Airlines since it was Continental Flight since 1946 and had logged 22,000 hours, flight hours, including 2,911 hours on the DC-10. Now, the question, would it have made any difference if it had been a new, younger captain or an experienced senior captain like Charles Hurston? Now, to digress just a little bit from the script, I might add that Captain Hershey's wife was on the jump seat when this happened which probably made no difference, although it was discussed big time at the hearing. I got to tell you, though, I was guilty of the same thing as on my last airline flight. My lady friend, now my wife, Carrie Sue, was on the number one jump seat right behind me, and my son, Mike, was on the number two jump seat right behind her. Luckily, we didn't have any problems. But he was legally there, as he was and is a military pilot, and his being there was also approved by the ATA, that's the name of the airline, American Grand Air Flight Manager. This was on my last trip, Fort Lauderdale and Chicago, some 23 years ago. I remember it well and still watched the 90-minute movie made by my son every now and then. I put this in here simply because I think that Captain Hirsch probably had something very similar planned to happen after his flight. It was terrible that that happened to him, and he couldn't do what I experienced. Colleen, please take over for me. Could a younger captain made a difference? Okay. Uh, the same question could be asked of experienced senior flight attendants in handling an accident like that of Continental 603. Of, of course, the FAA age rules do not apply to flight attendants, as we have a few that have reached ages in the late 70s to early 80s. Under Public Law 92-297, Air Traffic Control Specialists, ATCS, or controller, are required to retire at age 56. Mike? Okay. Oh. June 10, 2010, the Federal Aviation Administration, the FAA, proposes to amend its regulations that would require an air traffic controller to retire at age 56. Under the current policy, an air traffic controller must be 18 years of age. The maximum age one can start training is age 30. 
and they must retire at 56 years old. However, if someone had previously held an air traffic controller position, such as in the military, they may join up to 31 years of age. And however, under the current rules, an air traffic controller may request an age waiver, which would allow the air traffic controller to work no longer than 61 years of age if the controller meets the requirements. Under the old rules, the air traffic controller was required to certify that he or she was not involved in an operational error, an OE, operational deviation, an OD, or runway incursion in the past five years. George? Anybody there? I'm still here. <laughs> I'm still here. <laughs> okay. George? No, well, this is, uh, this is the producer. Can you hear me? Can you hear me now? I hear you. Yeah, I hear you. Yes. Okay. Yes. I wanted to ask, and I had uh, I had muted my own microphone here, but I wanted to ask Colleen, uh, the flight attendant that uh, was with Eastern Airlines, uh, and then after we folded, went over to I believe U.S. Air. Uh, it, it, she's still flying, and at what age do you think she is now, Colleen? I don't know. I don't know that person. I uh, wonder if any of our silver lights are on. Uh, if we have no. anybody, no. No, but uh, I have seen I have seen some uh, videos about her when I oh, oh uh, I know when I go. Go ahead. I mean, I don't know her name, but yes, uh, the, uh, now I remember the video. Uh, I think video it's Betty. Somebody, oh, yeah. Yeah. You're talking about the one with American Airlines, the lady yeah, from I Eastern. Guess it's a, yeah, yeah. I I had an article on her in the Repartee magazine a couple of years ago. Oh yeah, Betty. I can't think of her last yeah. name, but I think her I first can't name either, is Betty. But, uh, I think she's still flying. I think I she's almost approaching eighty, as the best I can recall. <laughs> oh, no, no, no. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> hey, hey, Neil. Uh, I just read within the last couple of weeks that a Delta flight attendant who was 79 was just fired by Delta. Fired? Oh, my God. She's been there 40, 40 50 something years. But, uh, you know, they said the she was fired for stealing a carton of milk. And so, you know, that's not all the story. No. I think I thought it was. I don't believe it. The lady was making uh, $250,000 a year. And. Of course, I think course, jealousy and, and some other issues other came into play to play with that. How could a flight attendant make two hundred fifty grand a year? I don't have the long been there, been there, to fire somebody a like Longevity that. And, and raises. Uh, wow. I don't see that happening. I don't know. No. no. Yeah, no, I don't believe that. that. Yeah. And Neil, this is Chuck. Uh, this is Jeremy. Yeah, Chuck, I hear you. Well, go ahead. I got a friend who I went to high school with, and she's the same age as I am. She's 78 years old, and she's about uh, 200 on the Delta list, and she's still flying. Good Lord. And how old is she, Chuck? Say that again. She's the same age as I am, 78. Oh. I don't know. I don't know. I don't know. I don't know either. 
Well, you want to go on with the show, Colin? Colin would like. He got let go. George, tell us what you've got. Okay, well, the FAA reauthorization bill that was before Congress did not include a last-minute provision that was slipped into the legislation by Representative Bill Schuster. I don't know where he's from. That would have required pilots for fractional giant net jets. I don't even know what that is. To retire at age 65, the same age as airline pilots. Instead, NetJets pilots will be forced to retire at age 70. A compromise plan that has the backing of their union, the NetJets Association of Shared Aircraft Pilots. Neil, do you, do you know what that is? Uh, yeah. No, Net, I know what NetJets Net is. Are you talking about that? Yeah. Yeah, that's what, I've never heard of that. Oh, man, they they had a guy came and rent space in our hangar about 10 to 15 years ago. He was a young kid flying for NetJet, and he was the stepping stone to United or American, he said. And three years later, you know, he's forgetting United and American because he's making all kind of money. And then all kind of guys with NetJet, that is a big outfit now, and he's probably in the top 1%. He forgot about American and United. Yeah. Oh, that's. Oh. Okay. Well, let's move on. Carrie, what do you got for us? Carrie? Carrie? I'm going to open up her microphone. I'm all, I'm having all sorts of difficulties here on the producer's board. That's why it's such <laughs> a hope, challenge. I, I got about there. five balls in the air here, but uh, I hope uh, I've opened uh, Carrie's <clears throat> microphone. Are you with us, Carrie? I'm here. Okay, go. <laughs> yeah, I can hear you this now. <laughs> this criteria should be used to gauge a pilot's ability to continue to fly. Number one, <laughs> you and your teeth don't sleep together. <laughs> <laughs> Number two, you try to straighten out the wrinkles in your socks and discover you aren't wearing any. Oh, I got to <laughs> hang up. I got to hang up. <laughs> no, you Number don't. Number three. <laughs> It takes two tries to get up from the couch. Yep. Yep. <laughs> Number four, your idea of a night out is sitting on the patio. Yep. Oh, that's cool. <laughs> <laughs> Number five, you step up off a curb and look down once more to make sure the street is still there. Number yeah. six. Oh. Getting lucky means you remember where you left your car in the parking lot after a one-day turnaround trip. <laughs> Number seven, everything hurts, and what doesn't hurt doesn't work. <laughs> Number eight, you sneak your teeth into a stake, and they stay there. <laughs> Number nine, you wonder how you could could be over the hill when you don't even remember being on top of it. <laughs> and number 10, you have more hair in your ears and nose than on your head. Oh, there you go. And finally, the schedule clause, your reply is? Terry, you've been reading my mail. <laughs> <laughs> wait, wait, say, say that last thing again you said, Terry. Go ahead. And finally, when crew schedule calls, your reply is? <laughs> Hang on a second. Take this what job and shove it. I ain't working <laughs> here no more. A woman done left. She took all the reasons I wasn't working for. 
or something. I, I think, George, it might be your microphone that might be doing it. I just opened it up, and I hear my feedback again, George. I hear well, too. In, that, in that case, I'll <laughs> hang up, Neil. Have a good evening, oh, all right? Thanks so much, George. All right. See you. But um, what do you guys think about, uh, did you want to fly beyond 60? Of course, you know, that was when we retired, Jim and Mike. We yeah, retired yeah. 60, not 65. But did you want to go beyond 60? When you i got to be honest I, with I, you. I, I, I did not. I was ready to hang it up, you know. I was uh, I was flying to ATA at the time, commuting to all over the United, not only the United States, but Europe and other, all over the place. And I was ready to come home to carry my little black dog. Mm, yeah, Mike, how about you? Well, I, I wasn't ready to quit, and I didn't. I flew till I was 75, <laughs> 75 and three months old. Now, tell and us I, how and you I, did and that. I, and I, I decided to retire on my own. I, I, I couldn't yeah. have my own. Do, but how I, did you do that? How did you do that? How did I how did yeah. I do it? Because I was un, flying under Part 91, where our company there makes the, the rules for us. Go. That's and right. Just general had aviation, so you had good co-pilots, didn't you? Good co-pilots. <laughs> well, yeah, I, I started. Uh, no, I noticed. I noticed a little deterioration after age seventy, and then <laughs> when I hit seventy-five, uh, I said the elect between the electronics and the new regulation. I said, "That's. I think I'm done." Yo, Lord, yeah. <laughs> hey, Neil, this is Chuck. Yeah, Chuck. Oh, I yeah. work for the government. After I got to be 60 years old, the Air Force said thank you very much and gave me a plaque and a piece of paper that said that you did a good job. No person in, in the military that, besides a general or an admiral or somebody like that that's appointed by the president can stay past 60. I don't know if they've upped it yet, but they were talking about getting it to 65 years old, but 
Uh, all the people when I retired back back then were retired were forced to retire at 60 years old. Well, well uh, I want to I, I ask to give you a roll of toilet paper and some depends, and you're out. That's it. I want to ask Colleen. <laughs> Colleen, you 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 married to uh, you didn't retire. You uh, you married early. How long? Uh, Which question did you enjoy you your? Well, I don't know how to put this, but did you enjoy enjoy your your time as a flight attendant? Uh, uh, oh, very did much, you want? Very much. Okay. Well, the first and, my first my first career with Eastern. Uh, I had my you know, I got married, met my husband. He was flying. I had uh, what did I have? Two years seniority on him, <laughs> but uh, <laughs> we got married. And when I had uh, my first baby, it was December. We were both, oh, well, we were both, you know, had flying careers. Um, I, they called me and said, you'd be back to work on Monday or else you're done. And I couldn't find any, I couldn't find anybody to watch my three-month-old baby. We were in a new house in a new neighborhood, no relatives nearby. Nobody wanted to watch him after five o'clock at night. And in New York, there's no guarantee if I did turnarounds, which I could yeah. that I would be home. Yeah. So, yeah. You know, yeah. after eight and a half years, I had to leave there. Uh, but 20 years later, after they were grown, I went back to United and then did 13 years with United. And there I would have stayed too, but you get scared into the leave now or else. And I think yeah. that's when, like, 3,000 people in 2003 retired. Yeah. And Colleen, did you work during the time that Eastern had a policy that uh, you couldn't fly, uh, you know, married to, um, married? Uh, I forgot when did that, when did that, well, it was in the 60s. So it was back in the early 60s they did away we, with that. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, we we talked about that before. That was that was the early sixties because I was I started yeah. in sixty four and married in sixty seven, and okay. by sixty seven mm-hmm. could be married. Um, yeah, when they, yeah. 60, I remember when they uh, allowed 60. them them to be married. Uh, you never saw so many rings come out on fingers. My recollection yep, is that the battleground for that was on American Airlines. Oh, and, uh, uh, yes. Yeah, and when it did, they did away with it on American, the other airlines pretty well went along with it. They could be married. Yeah. Okay. Well, yeah, with yeah. with United, I had a I had a good friend that uh, I met through Eastern. I didn't fly with her at Eastern, but um, she had gone back as a. Uh, <laughs> I'm trying to think of the name of them now. Um, she went back with United with the uh, the mm. lawsuit because she had to leave oh. because she was married, and uh, and she won the lawsuit and she went back to work for United and flew for. I mean, I think she only probably flew for a year in the beginning and then went back and flew. I don't know how many years in her fifties uh, mm-hmm. because she was called McDonald's. That's what they were called because mm. the woman that started the lawsuit, her name was McDonald. Oh. So those McDonald's. Those, <laughs> Yeah, well, I can remember the... at Eastern, many of the flight attendants, not many, but some of the flight attendants married uh, a pilot back in those days. And they had, yeah. uh, and a good example was Johnny Johnson and Jerry Johnson. 
she was a flight yeah. attendant, and they got married, and all of a sudden she ain't a flight attendant anymore. So she became a ticket agent up there selling tickets. You and, know, uh, if you uh, don't, Jim, if, if, if you've never had her telling you that story, you need to call up because that's the way for three hours. <laughs> George, I mean Jim, Jim, yeah. you probably remember uh, George Cochran, and I can say that now he's passed. Yes, but yes. I remember the best well. flight attendant I ever flew with was his wife. And uh, right. and she was fantastic. What a flight attendant she was! I remember. And I, I remember can't, her I can't well think too. of a name right now, but they went separate names, and of course they were married. Everyone knew it. All the Everybody knew they it. were married. Yeah, but they yeah. kept on flying. Both of them did. Yeah, so, they did. So they all sure of a sudden, it became legal, and she was legal. Yeah. to yeah. be his wife. I remember yeah. well. They lived yeah. up around Gainesville, Georgia. I That's right. Up there on Lake Lanier. That's right. Yeah. Lake Lanier. Yeah. Yeah, Captain Neil. Uh, I had a friend of mine that was a friend of mine that uh, a couple friends of mine that flew for Continental, and of course it's United now. But uh, back in the earlier days, uh, when the guys had to retire at sixty, and some of the captains went from being uh, the left seat, they they went back to flying engineer on like on the DC ten and stuff. Mm -hmm. And all the all the junior pilots, they used to call them. The guys that went as engineers, they used to call them the herpes because they said they can't get rid of them. <laughs> <laughs> they called them uh, ropes at Eastern, retired old pilot engineers. Yeah, that's right. That's right. Well, you only, you only had one at Eastern. That was Gorgeous. He was number one on the Gorgeous, seniority list. That's exactly who I was, I was trying yeah. to think of his name, Gene Gorgeous. I flew they with used him to call him Gorgeous George. Right. <laughs> he was anything but gorgeous. But anyhow, I flew him on the Electra, and uh, many years later, I was at a Reaper convention down in Florida, and there's old G standing in line to get a drink. I said, Captain, do you remember me? I flew with you on the Electra when I was only two years with Eastern, and they looked at him and said, yeah, I remember you, and and uh, I said, well, I remember you, too. Now you're just an old flight engineer. No, I was kidding you, McCoy. He just laughed. I liked him. A lot of people didn't like old Gorgeous, but I did. Yeah, he, he got, I, we got along well. I flew with him in uh, New York when I was up there my one year of summer. Wow. Well, very good show tonight. Thanks, guys. Oh, I appreciate yeah. uh, you all Yeah, I think it's been a great it. show. Yeah, I want to I wanna hear what's going on with the new Eastern Airlines. And um, before I do that, I know I've got something here that triggers that. So uh, stand by, Mark Porter. Stand by as soon as I can click this button. There it is. Mark, you've got your own music. Good. Am I clear? Tell us what's going on, Mark. Can you hear me? Yeah, I can hear you. Okay. Eastern Airlines is in bad need of flight attendants, load supervisors, pilots, and station operators. And for anyone that is listening, they can go to www.jfirm.com. Again, that is www.jfirm.com. J-S-F-I-R-M dot com. And that's where you can apply to become an Eastern Airlines flight attendant, work for them as a pilot or supervisor or loadmaster. Wow. What's, go what's going on with Eastern this week? Well, 
They've added three more aircraft to the fleet, N-164, N-615, and N-616. They are Boeing 767-300s, and they range from 19 to 26 years old. They'll be the babies of the fleet. Hmm. So that's rather exciting. Um, They're going to have more airplanes than Mojave pretty soon. Well, they're (laughs) going to be going to Belo Horizonte, Brasilia, and Curibita. Now, that's really far down there. So even if you're going from Brasilia to Belo Horizonte, the aircraft is going to stay there, and then it may come back up, Curibita, to Miami. But you've got to have like two aircraft going on that route just for that. And that's not counting their new destinations of um, Aruba and Santa Domingo, which will take – you could do Santa Domingo and, and, and Haiti and uh, Los Cabos with one aircraft, but you're, you've got the Aruba in there five hours away, so that some of these other aircraft need to be used. Um, what else? Um, I've been pushing uh, – contacting the CEO – and uh, even the owner, that I feel that they badly need narrow-body aircraft to connect, like e- the old Eastern did, the Bostons and the Bradleys and um, the, into New York as feeders. And today, N-276 and N-277 lift, left the Swift feet, fleet and went into storage. Now, those are mm. the old... 737-800s that Eastern Airlines 2 was using. They're still painted in Eastern Airlines colors with a hockey stick up the back. And uh, one of my sources contacted me today pointing that out, and uh, he said, you know, I think these are going to the current Eastern, which would be very exciting because then that's that's a game changer. You'd have the 767, the 777, and the 737, which is you know, with 175 passengers in uh, economy plus in economy is perfect for thin routes and to feed the, the Orlandos to the Miamis and the Atlantis to the Miamis, things like that. Um, and all the aircraft should be about painted now, except for these new ones. And uh, they're fixing the interiors um um, on the 777s, uh, it, it sounds like most of those will be used for charter or for DOD operations. Um, my understanding is the military has a lot of operations set up for this new uh, Eastern Airlines, which is great because that's big money. So that's remember I brought in the 452 seats last week? Yeah. That's where these 452 seats come in. Because if it's charter or if it's DOD, they can fit that many seats into it. It's under a different regulation. And evidently, the DOD is the one that wanted the 777s, uh, Department of mm. Defense. Uh, because now Eastern could take uh, their boys anywhere in the world um, mm. with the extra range. And they have one that's a long range. Um, I was kind of hoping that one or two of the five that have so far would be left to the 385 seats instead of the 452. But I understand they're out to make money. 
and um, they do have two 747s still in inventory and under the Eastern brand. So those have to be for cargo. I can't imagine putting 747-400 as, as passengers uh, when you're all set up. Um, and the two, and they have two others that are supposed to be coming from Jet Midwest that were with the um, uh, Qantas that just came in. Mm. A lot of money. Very good. Oh, yeah. Uh, but as Mark, did, uh, did, did, I think on a previous show you had mentioned something about uh, a seven, some seven fifty sevens. Or was I mistaken that, that you said that for Eastern? It's going to be the seven three sevens that uh, are more modern and come into play. Um, no, this was the seven five seven. I thought you had mentioned uh, a couple of shows back. Mm-hmm. Yeah, we saw one in uh, in Jet Midwest inventory, but um, we didn't. Um, we haven't seen that transpire into um, into Eastern's fleet yet. Whereas yeah. the the, acqu- the acquisition of the seven three seven could be very interesting for Eastern. Yeah, because the five uh, the... six from yeah yeah. But Mark, I, I wanted that... to ask you. Go ahead, Mike. No, I was just going to say that uh, all the 757s that were on the sale prior to all of this uh, virus thing, uh, for, for many years, all the ones that came on the market, FedEx was buying them all up and put cargo doors mm-hmm. in them. They bought all, all the yeah. low time ones, right. and uh, mm-hmm. there wasn't there wasn't a lot of them around that were low time. So that's where I was wondering what was no, if yeah, there was any all of all of the entire fleet of American Airlines 767s were bought before they were retired by a cargo company and they're all being converted in Israel. The entire fleet uh, 767. Yeah. Oh, and yeah. they had really good aircraft. I mean, 16-year-old aircraft that you know are not available on the commercial end. Mhm. Very good. Thank you so much for your report, Mark. Uh, oh, my always always good to hear what's going on with the new Eastern Airlines and uh, one thing I would like to ask, is there any way that you can contact the uh, crew members, uh, flight attendants and or pilots and see if they would uh, come in, you know, come on the show? Uh, do you have okay. any way of direct contact mm-hmm. with these oh, sure. guys? Sure. Good, good. Yeah. Please. Yeah, just uh, give me a. Uh, email or whatever, and and I certainly like to uh, invite them and ask them about uh, their experience. Yeah, I think I'll ask the CEO. I think I'll ask the CEO first, so to yeah. uh, you know, make sure everyone feels comfortable talking. Okay, okay, very good. Because we had some of the uh, 2.0 version that came on our show from time to time, mm-hmm. and uh, one of them was Mark. I can't think of his last name, but. Uh, he was on our show several times, and, and uh, it was uh, very interesting information that came yeah, from that these guys. Yeah, they were a good bunch of people. So, yeah, they were. They were really a good bunch of people. And mm-hmm. um, so anyhow, thanks so much for your report, and we look forward uh, to next week updating 
the new 3.0 Eastern. I don't know whether they would uh, be unhappy of us calling them 3.0. Maybe we <laughs> ought to stop using that that version 3.0. But hopefully that's the last version, and uh, they will be very, very, very successful uh, in what they uh, are doing now. I wonder uh, how they would refer to us. <laughs> well, you know, Colleen, I I wonder, I wonder if uh, the age. What what age are they hiring? Do you know as far as flight attendants and pilots? Well, pilots, we know they want them oh, young. Flight, yeah, they're they're probably, yeah. flight attendants are probably hiring any age. Um, ah, the the pilots at, at at first, the pilots they they were you know fighting to get any pilot. Now they yeah. have the luxury because of this. They yeah. can be really yeah. picky and just get the best. Sure. Yeah. Very interesting. Okay, we're going to take it down to uh, Colleen. First of all, do you have any information or any news about the Silver Liners or what's going on there? No, we're just uh, trying to keep in touch uh, with each other. Uh, I just got an email today. Well, last week, we actually, our local chapter here, we did a Zoom meeting, uh, informal meeting. It worked out well. Mm. We had people joining us. It was a nice way to keep in touch. So we've decided to uh, extend our our Zoom application to so we can have uh, longer meetings and actually do our monthly meetings that way. And I believe uh, we sent it out to other chapters to suggest that they do the same thing to keep everybody going. Um, yeah. Our convention is put off and a couple of things that had to be decided were decided by local chapter email votes and then on to, you know, international. Um, but uh, and we're, we're we're just hanging in there, hoping that we can have a convention next year in the spring. Very good. But everybody's Very good. doing good. We keep it's it's like a it's like a phone line. Who's doing yeah. what? Who isn't doing well? You know, and pass on good information and some not so good to keep these yeah. people's spirits up. Well, so, thanks so much, Colleen. And now let's see over at uh, Repo what's going on, Jim Holden. Okay. Uh, as- Probably everybody knows there's a ballot out for the dissolution of REPA after 50 years. Next next year will be our golden anniversary, and the ballot was mailed, and uh, September 1st is the deadline for it to come back. Right. And uh, Jerry Frost, I talked to him about an hour before the show started. We mailed out 370 ballots to the regular members who are the ones that do the voting. And as yeah. of this afternoon, there's been 246 ballots returned. Obviously, we yeah. haven't opened the ballots. We don't know if they're saying, but it requires two-thirds of the members that do vote to have the resolution go forward. So anyhow, mm-hmm. and while I'm on all of this, i got to tell you, uh, the Silver Falcons, of which I'm a member and past president and all that kind of stuff with the Silver Falcons also, uh, having the convention in Auburn on September the 19th. And it, last year at the business meeting of the Silver Falcons, uh, we unanimously voted all the guys that were there, 40 some odd regular members, to have that be the end of the Silver Falcons on sep- September the 19th, uh, three days later, when the convention is over. 
they shut the doors on the sale of South at a sad time. And uh and uh that's gonna be in Auburn on the September the nineteenth and the right now there's a hundred and forty some odd people signed up to a come. Now that is a big number. That is. You know, that is it is a big yeah. number. We had something like thirty eight at the last Reaper reunion. And mm. now they've got a hundred and forty some odd uh and we're going to have a uh, auction of an awful lot of really good photographs, uh, pictures framed that were con- contributed by Eastern people to me, wives, widows, whatever. And we're going to have an auction down there in Auburn. Uh, well, it's not in Auburn. It's uh, out from Auburn at the golf course. I've forgotten what it is. Big golf course, fine, fine hotel, beautiful hotel. And we're going to have an auction to uh, raise money for Captain O.A. Fish and his up in North Carolina's summer camp for teenagers and everything. And that those donated items are beautiful. I don't know how much money we'll raise, but we raised a lot of money in the past, both at Reaper and the Silver Fire. And that's about my report. Very good. Thanks so much, Jim. Appreciate it. And... Um... Don, I'm going to uh, take over this, uh, Dorothy, since I hope uh, her hand heals quickly. And uh, how is she doing, Don? Well, oh, she's uh, doing okay. She's uh, not responding well to the uh, medication they gave her, but uh, she's mm-hmm. coming along okay. She's very sore. Very, very she, sore. She she cut her hand, folks. They cut her, uh, cut her, her on antibiotics, Don? Yeah. Cut her uh, hand. Yeah. They yeah. cut, she she cut her right thumb, the meaty oh. part of the right thumb near oh. the end, uh, opening mm. up a can. Oh, and, uh, boy. Yeah. Uh, I think yeah. Chuck, yeah. Chuck solved that problem this afternoon with a new can yeah. opener. So um, okay. that's about it. She was opening a, you say she was opening a can? Of yeah, you know the... The cans that have the uh, the the like a beer can a tab yeah. on it, and you pull the tab. Yeah. Oh, okay. And this thing, yeah. this thing okay. got yeah. stuck stuck about halfway, and oh, she boy. jerked it up more and got cut. So. Oh, yeah. oh wow. It's wow. Deep. terrible. It's very deep. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Oh, well, her, we, well, we want to hear from her next week. Okay, so. We'll give it a try. To heal fast. The remedy for I that won't. is dinner reservations. There you yeah. go. <laughs> <laughs> That'll work. And I also Thanks want to thank uh, our newest, uh, and that's uh, Harry Lindquist. Thanks so much, uh, Harry. We look forward to you being on our future shows. Thank you so much. You still with us? It was a, a very interesting show tonight, I thought. Have you got your magazines yet, Harry? Have not, but I'm looking for them, Jim. And okay. also, I had, I had to send a media mail, so you might get it by Christmas. And also, okay. Harry, uh-huh. I've got uh, yeah. the, the, my book is coming to you. I got it in a in a a a, 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 a what do you call it a mailer that, that I usually send out. And uh, I just got to get down to the post office, so you'll be getting that okay. too soon. So, All right. thanks so much for being with us. And uh, Don, I'm gonna. If I kind of finish the show up, 
a little okay. uh, if you don't mind. And and uh, you want we want to. Do? Well, that's okay. Uh, I'll take it from here. And I want to okay. say thanks so much for everyone being with us. It's a lot of fun doing these shows. Uh, sometimes we have some technical difficulties that uh, it's beyond your producer to solve these. Uh, I, I don't make much money doing this. As a matter of fact, I, I think I think I pay for a lot of this. But at any rate, at any rate, uh, uh, I'm I'm so happy that folks uh, come back to us and and we're going to reach our tenth year. And that's kind of a what I was shooting for is ten years. But we'll see what happens beyond that. It's a lot of fun. I really enjoy it. A lot of folks ask me. Uh, since I've been retired, exactly what do I do? And uh, in retirement, and as we mentioned earlier in our programs, pilots that retire used to, back in the day, as I did research for this show, pilots were not living much longer after they retired at 60 or 65 years of age. They only, I think it was an average lifespan of, of about uh, five years or so. But now people are minding their health, and we've got a lot of things going for us now that uh, keep us on Earth a little bit longer. And uh, that's what I think all of us here on this show is trying to do, stay here a little bit longer so we can talk. And as, as a matter of fact, we can talk a little bit longer about Eastern Airlines, our favorite subject. So now we're approaching the airport and the end of our Eastern Flight 471, and and we will be back next week sharing more great Eastern talks. So I'm going to turn the landing over again to Hop Harrigan. Would you please put us down gently at, let's see, how about Orlando International Airport so we can all help out Mickey Mouse? Uh,
Lindquist, and our producer, Neil Holland, playing the sign-off music made popular by Merle Haggard, Silver Wing. Silver Wing, shining in the sun. Good night, Eastern family and friends from around the world, and good night, Eastern Airlines, wherever you are. We love you, Eastern. Now, all of us, when I count to three, one, two, three. Good night, Eastern. Good night, Eastern. Good night, Eastern. Good night. Good night. Good night. Good night. Good night. Thanks so much. Thank you, Neil. Good show. Way to go, Neil.